Thank you, choir. That was wonderful. Good morning. Oh, come on now. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Oh, thank you so much. My name is Ben Mathis, and I honestly think this is the 35th year that I have been here on the first Sunday in December. You'd think after all those years, you could find somebody else to do this on the first Sunday. <laughs> We've got two great passages to look at this morning. They are not the ones listed in your bulletin. Our first passage comes out of the 22nd chapter of the book of Genesis. We will begin in verse, let's see, 6, and go verses 6, 7, and 8. Let's listen to the Word of God. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and so the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. It's the word of the Lord. Now, if you would turn over to John's gospel, if you're following along that way. This is a complicated passage. It begins in the 14th chapter of John's gospel. And we'll begin in verse 15. And again, let's listen to the word of God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, you shall live also. And that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I have spoken here, like I say, for a million years with you folks. I want to go back in time and tell you about my very best friend. My best friend for years and years and years lived right next door. I mean, driveway to driveway. I mean, right there. I mean, closer than from here to the back. She just lived right there, right next to her mother-in-law. Think about that. This can go a lot of different directions, can it? The good news is they got along great. But every Thursday, every single Thursday, 50-something times a year, they had to go to her house for dinner. And every Thursday, every single they had the same thing for dinner. A pork tenderloin and microwaved broccoli and potatoes. Every Thursday, every single... 
You know, sermons are like that. I mean, we're taught. We're taught to take an Old Testament lesson, take a New Testament lesson, share the gospel, give some hope, put a poem on the end of it, do whatever else you're going to do, but whatever you do, get them out before the Baptist. I mean, that's the bottom line. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun if every now and then we could just set that aside and, and maybe have a, a biblical buffet? A spiritual smorgasbord. What if we could just run amok in the Word of God and find passages that we just really love and feed on those and get so much encouragement? I'd start with a passage in Genesis where Isaac says to his father, where's the lamb that's to be sacrificed? And Abraham answers his son by saying, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. Not just a statement of fact, That's a statement of truth. Then I'd flip over to the book of Hebrews where the writer says faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the very definition of faith. And then I'd probably take truth and faith and put them together. And if you do that, you know what you get? You get, I believe God will provide. Say that with me. I believe God will provide. And that's the definition of prayer. Well, if I started with prayer, then I'd jump around in Scripture and I'd find, you know, where two or more are gathered, the Lord hears us. The Lord is faithful and just and hears our prayers. The Lord answers our prayers. I'd start getting excited about the power of prayer. I'd I'd flip over to Romans where Paul so beautifully says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor height, nor depth, nor powers, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I'd hear the strength in those words, and then just like you, I would think, my goodness, we must be such powerful prayer warriors. We must all just have incredible prayer lives, mustn't we? And yet, you know, truth be known... Theodore Roosevelt described a lot of us as living in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. If I pushed you a little bit and said, when was the last time you saw a miracle in your prayer life? What would you say? Would you even look at me or would you kind of stammer around? Well, um, um, well, Ben, I said the blessing last Saturday night and that pot roast wasn't near as bad as it usually is. Does that count? I think there's a disease that runs through the church sometimes, especially in America. And I I call that disease Pharaohitis. Since we're jumping around scripture, you remember Pharaoh, don't you? Pharaoh had the people of Israel, kept them captive. Moses comes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. What did Pharaoh say? No, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. So he keeps them. Then what does Moses do? Remember, he turns the Nile River into blood. That didn't do it. Comes a second curse. Do you remember it? He covers Egypt with frogs. Now, y'all, I'm from Tennessee. I ain't got a thing in the world against frogs. I want to be sure you know that. I've taken showers with frogs in the jungle. I don't mind that at all. But I don't want frogs in the bed with me. Have you ever heard a frog at night? They make awful noises. I don't want him on the plate. They're very sloppy eaters. I just don't want him sitting there. I don't want frogs in my bathroom or in the kitchen. Think about that. People of Egypt didn't want that either. 
So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he asks a very important question. When do you want the frogs to go away? Now, what would you say? When do you want the frogs to go away? Now. John Byerly, a buddy of mine, pointed this out to me. Pharaoh had an incredible answer. Moses goes, when do you want the frogs to go away? And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Tomorrow. As in tomorrow. Think about this. Pharaoh wanted to spend another night with the frogs. Why? Same reason you do. Same reason I do. You know that. Gives us something to blame it on, doesn't it? Think about it. Here's Pharaoh. He's hanging out at the old retired Pharaoh's club. And he's wandering around muttering to himself. And he says, you know, I could have been a contender. I could have been a great Pharaoh. But no, I had frogs. It could have been four pyramids. But no, I had frogs. I could have kept the people of Israel. We would have invented bagels. I'd have made a killing. But no, I had, I had frogs. And we do the same thing. Oh, I could have had such a full Christian life. But 30 years ago, I got caught. And everybody heard about it. And so I just, I just kind of let that all go. Yeah, I could have done wonderful things for the church, but 20 years ago, uh, <clears throat> I got away with it. And it still clips at my heels every night. Oh, I could have been so involved, but you know, somebody called me a name and I believed them. Somebody left me and for some reason I think I'm not worthy. And so we complain and we blame. Listen, listen again to what Paul said. I am convinced... That neither death nor life, height nor depth, power nor principalities, things present nor things to come, nothing in all creation can what? Separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. What did he leave out? He left out the very thing that keeps us from having a full and overflowing Christmas-like life in Jesus Christ. And that is our past. Mark Twain said this, the inability... To forget is much worse than the inability to remember. And so we complain and we blame. And I, I want to speak for Randy. I want to speak for Dan, the leaders in this church. Shannon, you know, you can complain to us all you want to. You can call us in the middle of the night and complain for all we care. Feel free to do that. But from now on, when you call to complain about something, you have to end your complaint by saying, and that's just the way I like it. <laughs> yeah, I could have done great things for the Lord, but I let my past control me. <clears throat> and that's just the way I like it. Yeah, I would have thought a lot about myself, but years ago somebody called me a name, and that's just the way I like it. Gee, Ben's sermon sure is going on a long time. <laughs> well, <laughs> I do youth ministry in Missouri. We've, we've got friends coming to see Dan this next week about some new, new youth ministry stuff we're doing. Part of the conference I was doing meant that I had to ride for four hours to go out in the country in Missouri to paint a church with this youth group. I thought that'd be fun. 
If anybody's from Missouri and you want to explain this to me later, please do. But it appears to me that the big goal in that state is how big is your van? That's the big deal. And this man pulls up in the biggest van I have ever seen. And I get in the seat and it's the biggest, smushiest seat I've ever been in. And I fell sound asleep. I don't know how long I slept, but when I woke up, I realized that the guy driving the van hadn't realized I had fallen asleep and he was carrying on a conversation with me while I was sound asleep. I had no idea what we're talking about. I woke up and I tried to get in the rhythm of the conversation. I didn't know what it was. And then I realized he has a tick. This fella ends every sentence by saying, so. Well, yeah, I got a wife and a couple of kids. So. Yeah, I work in a factory. So, yeah, life's pretty good. So, I sat there going, Lord, if I have to listen to this for eight hours, I'm going to scream. And the heavens opened, and Jesus stuck his head out and looked at me, and he goes, so. (laughs) Now, I did that to see who would laugh and who wouldn't. Because maybe this happened to you this morning. You ever had somebody just really unload on you? Did that happen this morning to you? And you knew, well, look at everybody looking at each other. Don't, do, don't, don't look at each other. That kind of gives it away. Because <laughs> they know what to say, and you know what to say right back. And before you know it, you're just going at it, aren't you? My son taught me this. He said, the next time somebody really wants to unload on you, let them. Let them. Just sit there. Just sit there. Don't say a word. Just sit there. And when they've gone on for a while and you feel like they're kind of running down, ask them a question. The question you are to ask is, is there anything else you'd like to say? And if you'll do that, they'll crank it right back up again and they'll start at you all over again and they'll just keep going. And when they wind back down, say it again and keep doing that until they run out of steam and you will be amazed. You will not have said anything embarrassing. They'll be out of steam and everybody will be fine. Now, I told you that because I want to give you that as an assignment. Sometime during the holiday season, when you're driving by yourself, heading down 565, going somewhere, start saying right out loud all the things you've ever wanted to say to yourself. Call yourself every name. Drag out everything you ever did wrong. Talk about all of your mistakes. Talk about all the garbage. Talk about all the things you've tried to forget. And you talk about it and talk about it to yourself until you run out of steam. And then ask yourself, is there anything else you want to say? And then crank it back up again. And you keep doing that until you have completely run out of steam. And do you know what? At the end of that experience, you will be closer to understanding forgiveness And you will have stepped closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. And somebody's looking at me thinking, Ben, you know, Ben, now you've gone from preaching to meddling. I'm too young, too old, too fat, too thin, too rich, too poor, too dumb. My life is not going to change. If you were in Sunday school with me this morning, you'll admit it. Raise your hand real quick. Let everybody know, okay? Then you heard about this. We have work on an island called Bali in Indonesia. It's primarily a Hindu island. The rest of the islands are basically Muslim. This is Hindu. 
And on this island, we have some very powerful challenges. The men are all farmers. They grow rice, corn, and manioc. That's not enough protein to feed your family. But when they grow these crops, they always seem to be facing either drought or floods, landslides, or no rain at all. And then dad has to leave the farm and he goes into one of the larger towns and he gets a job digging ditches so he can make a little money and send it back to his family. When he does that, the vultures show up at the farm. Dad is gone. Here come the vultures and they circle the farm and then they land on the farm and they meet with the mother and they look at the mother and they say, my, what beautiful children you have. How's that little girl? Is she 12? You know what? I can get her a job in town. She can make money and send it back to you. In fact, I'm so sure of it. I'll give you some money right now and she can pay me back. And without realizing it, that little girl has just been sold into human trafficking. Indonesia is the number one destination for human trafficking in the world. Now, I am from Tennessee. And I imagine I'm just like most of the men from Alabama. If we went over there, we've got a way of dealing with that. And it'd probably get us in a mess of trouble. So thank you, Jesus. He's provided us with two incredible staff members. They're Indonesian. They're pastors. They went to seminary. But they happen to be agriculturalists. And they've started a program called FAITH. That stands for food always in the home. The idea is if we can keep dad at home, he can protect his family. The first thing they did is teach these farmers how to take plastic Coke bottles, turn them sideways, cut the top out, turn that into a planter, tie 50 of them together, and they raise little red chilies and great big long beans in these things, and they can sell every single one they raise. So all of a sudden, dad has a cash crop that's not dependent on floods or droughts to be ruined. He controls it, and he's making money. He doesn't have to leave. Then they started introducing new fruits and vegetables and trees and plants and seeds into the diet of these folks and giving them the tools and the knowledge to raise these plants. So all of a sudden, dad is making more money than he's ever made. The children are getting healthier than they've ever been with new things in their diet. Then we come behind that and we teach a program called WASH. It stands for water, sanitation, and health. And we're teaching them all how to be healthy physically. And do you know the end result? Dad's making more money than ever before. He doesn't have to leave the farm. They're sound nutritionally more so than they've been before. They're learning how to look after their bodies physically. That raises some curiosity in these Hindu families. And we now have Hindu families coming to our Christian churches asking the question, tell me more about this man, Jesus, who changed my life. Say amen. Because if God can change the life of a Hindu family on the island of Bali in Indonesia, he can surely change the life of families in Huntsville, Alabama. So we've had a little buffet. Let me give you some dessert and we'll move on. The passage we read in John is pretty complicated. Listen to what it says. In those days you will know that I'm in you, you're in me, and I'm in the Father. Okay? That always kind of spins around. Let me show you this. It's Jesus speaking to his disciples. And Jesus said, in those days you will know that I, meaning Jesus, choir, 
I, meaning Jesus, am in you. This says you. Do you see it? Quiet. I am in you. Let's put this inside here. Watch this. Put this in here. You, meaning you, are in me, meaning Jesus. You see this? Keep watching. Put this inside here. I am in you. You are in me. And then Jesus said, I, meaning Jesus, I am in the Father. See that? Let's put this inside here. Jesus said, in those days you will know that I'm in you, you're in me, and I am in the Father. Do you know what this means? This means that there isn't anything that can come at you from the inside or the outside unless the Father and the Son allow it. And if they allow it, the Holy Spirit will help you handle it. i got to say that to you one more time. There isn't anything, not even your past, that can come at you from the inside or the outside unless the Father and the Son allow it. And if they allow it, the Holy Spirit will help you handle it. Give me one more amen. All right, now what are the takeaways from this morning? Because there's some takeaways. I believe God will provide. Say that with me. I believe God will provide. And that's just the way I like it. And that's just the way I like it. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Amen. <laughs> no, there's one more thing I'd like to say. There's nothing coming at me from the inside or the outside, unless the Father and the Son allow it. If they allow it, the Holy Spirit's going to help me handle it. So, so therefore, lay aside every sin and wait that clings so closely. Forget the past. Look forward to the future. And press on for the upward call and the prize that's ours in Jesus Christ. And as you do, God bless you. You stay strong. And God bless America. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for fun stories and happy endings, for reminding us that there isn't anything that can come at us that you can't help us handle. Oh, Lord, for that we give you thanks and are so grateful this day. For Jesus' sake, amen.